Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. We're recording this one on March... No, April 18th, 2017. It is tax day. We ought to be doing that, but instead we're doing this. I call it... I call it fill out an extension day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm Butch Ross. Hello, Butch. And you are? I'm Aaron O'Rourke. Aaron. Yeah. I've heard of you. We don't have Steve today. Way back. We don't have Steve today. Hey, he's mad at me. No, he's not. <laughs> so, I'm going to begin today's podcast by tasting live on the air. I don't know how to call these without saying something incorrectly. It is a thing that looks like some sort of a chocolate ball (laughs) yeah but it smells weird and it has these extra flavors when you bite into it what did you feed me aaron this is a dark chocolate scotch ball really yeah and it's that really stinky scotch it well yeah here we go yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it's the one that People at parties usually don't like, but they try it anyway. Right. And then they take a second sip. Oh, uh, I recall seeing that happen. <laughs> yeah, I lo- it's my favorite thing in the world. That's funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Aaron, Aaron made these the other day. And they're really, if you are expecting chocolate, probably not going to be something that you... It's disappointing it's, if you if it's you're shocking. They're just not that sweet. Yeah, they're not sweet. Good not sweet though. at all. But they've got all the characteristics of a scotch in that you taste it and then you taste something else and then you taste something else and it well, lingers. It's it's a lot different on the nose than it is on the palate and it and it does evolve a bit. It's mm-hmm. it, I don't know, it's less to to me it's less like um uh chocolate infused with Laphroaig. It's a little bit more like Laphroaig infused with chocolate. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, I didn't think I'd like them, and I like them. Awesome. I'm not big on sweet stuff. Yeah. And, and I am big on bitter, and yeah. so is this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So so I guess what you're saying is we could probably even get you to drink Laphroaig if we just put it in a big glass of milk. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm big on milk. Yeah. No doubt about that. Well, Butch, you've played at the Laphroaig distillery. That's right. right. Yeah. And, and uh, Does it smell? No, it doesn't. It, not like you think anyways. Um, yeah, uh, me and my friend uh, Bridget Kalen did it. And I think we were only supposed to play for like an hour or two. Um, but it was a beautiful, beautiful day, and it's Lafroy Distillery is right on the ocean, like it's on the edge of the island, um, and they were bringing this Lafroy, so there was no conceivable reason to stop playing. <laughs> so we just kept playing for like four or five hours, and then they, um, and then I think because of that, they invited us to attend this high-end whiskey tasting. Oh, we were the only non-Germans in the room. It was oh all like German plutocrats. And uh, um, and our we got to do all the tastings with them, and they gave us this chocolate that was twenty percent Lafroig, ten or twenty percent Lafroig as well as a palate cleanser, because <laughs> they're cleansing the palate between whiskey rounds with right. whiskey infused chocolate. <laughs> Anyways, it was yeah, it was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Was that a sweet chocolate? 
It was sweeter than that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't like dark. I mean, it was like, be like a dark chocolate. It wasn't super, super sweet. Oh, okay. You know, so. Every now and then we should at least say the word dulcimer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Butch did, it sounds like you had a dulcimer with you. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, part of you wishes you were still there. I suspect part of you probably is still there. <laughs> matter of fact. That's All right, minutes. so Butch is with us today. <laughs> One, because we like him. And, uh, but that's not what I heard. What did you hear? <laughs> it was on Facebook. I'm sure it's true, but <laughs> yeah, Facebook's doing that thing now where it's trying to tell us how to spot things that aren't true. Oh, have you had that pop up yet? Well, now that you're a politician, it's a good time for that to happen. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that okay to say? I don't know. I don't and think And you're so. not a career politician. So. I th- you asked, so I get to talk about this for a second. Sure, yeah. dulcimer. I'm saying dulcimer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel it. What you're saying, you know, I feel that we say the word politician mm-hmm. and get it with a little bit of disgust. I didn't say it. I know, I know, I know. But I know where you come from. We had a conversation earlier today where. Yeah, I mean, it was it was apparent that someone in your life was like, no, I don't want to be married to a politician. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so yeah, so, someone that I know does not want to be married to a politician. That's right. Yeah. And we were uh, we were in the middle of having another discussion, so I didn't touch that one at that yeah. moment. But I was. It left me thinking, and this is something we have to change because politicians. It's an important part of the of why America works and why Europe works and why I mean why different places work. Rule of law is really important. It's I think just, it's, I think it's a semantic argument. I mean, you got to you know, technically politician means one thing, but but colloquially it means another thing altogether. I think if more politicians, quote unquote, would continue to think of themselves as public servants like they are, we wouldn't have as much of a problem. But even the way you're saying that right now Mm -hmm. is filled with snark, as if it's not possible. Have we met? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, and you're right. But we live in a we live in an unbelievably polarized uh, time right now. Right. And it's hard to have adult conversations uh, it just it, it just is. Yeah. I mean, even if you're trying to be a public servant, we're all filled with this uh, unhealthy skepticism. I think skepticism is a good thing, but uh, well, skept- it's probably not skepticism. It's uh, what's the other word? Cynicism. Cynicism. We're filled yeah. with cynicism, which is not skepticism. No. Yeah, we're filled with cynicism that anyone can have pure motives. Uh, yeah. I don't Cynicism know. Cynicism is skepticism with the absence of hope. Oh, that's a good way of putting oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you asked. I read it. I that's, didn't make that up, by the way. Oh, just oh, so right. I'm going to quote you on it. Where though. did you read that? I, I sampled it. Oh. I, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I think I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll shut up on this. But some other time when we're, talk, when we're doing all philosophical talk on that other podcast that we don't have right. yet. It, the Dulcifer I, Philosophy Podcast. Yeah. Did you say Dulcifer? I kind of like Dulcifer, though. It's kind of it's a, it's kind of like Guccifer. Sounds a little evil. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Wow. But it's That's my death metal band. <laughs> Dulcifer band, folk band. Yeah. It's a topic that 
as I'm trying to do this thing to where I am involved in local politics, you see, even in local politics where, I mean, you're just a person who's getting paid nothing and stand, you don't stand to benefit really in any way. And partially it's because of the cynicism. It's like at some point, I, the way I look at it is I'm in my pre-recall phase <laughs> of my political career. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I just I'm sensitive to that. But no. yeah, and not. I mean, I don't want to change the. I don't want to take this too far off off dulcimers, but uh, I have a friend back in Philadelphia who was always politically active, very politically active. And it was always that, well, she's going to be a senator someday kind of a thing. You know what I mean? And she ended up becoming a campaign manager for a city councilman in in South Philly. And, you know, whatever, 90% of the income is reelected, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's running. And so we went to visit her when my old roommate and I went to visit her one day. And and she said, well, now, you know, having, now that your feet are in the water, when are you going to run? She said, I'm never doing this. Like that much experience with it, would just because of the politicking side of it. Yeah, I know. You know, <clears throat> she was like, "I'll never get to be a public servant. So I'll spend, I'll spend two years fighting with people over appearances." I know, you know? and that's very, very silly. So, I and th- it's South Philly, so it's a little different than it's sig- a little tougher than mountain. here for yeah. sure. Though, when a you little. hear stories from past, you know, people who've done this, you hear some amazing stories of meanness that have happened even there. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm waiting for that. But I think the one advantage that we citizen council people and citizen politicians, where the citizen's the first thing, is if you lose, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because you were doing something because you thought it was what you ought to do. And if nothing else, you become educated in the process. And so mm-hmm. that's what I'm enjoying about it. So I'll shut up about that. But another time, more. So, Butch, hi. You just finished a uh, recording project. Yes, that's why I contacted you because I actually, um, while I was doing a bunch of other stuff in the house, I was I sort of, uh, I I sort of binge Dulcimer Geek podcasts, which I don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Did you clean your house like Aaron May? Uh, I yeah. I, no, I was doing some artwork actually. I was okay. doing. Uh, it's a long story, but I was doing artwork and. Um, uh, I was taking pictures of my hand is what I was doing, playing different chords. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and so at one point, there was, you know, one of the conversations drifted to the to um, Stephen actually mentioning that he had learned recording in school, which I was unaware of. Uh, and then it may, it, that just got me thinking, okay, so all three of you guys and myself have ample experience recording dulcimers. I thought that might be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, you know. So, um, so I have plenty of questions <laughs> for you guys. Actually, for you, Dan, um, you've moved from a full size studio with a great tracking room to a closet, literally. Mm-hmm. So, what's that transition? Uh, what's that transition been like? And I hope that at some point this becomes relevant to dulcimer players. But I'm really just asking for myself. Well, mostly what I've always ever done was record dulcimers since we're talking about the spaces did you did you know me i don't think you when i met you i was already in signal yeah you were already in. so you never you never saw my best studio no anyway i had one better than than the one where you met me that i missed the most yeah where i had just a huge room 
and at one end of the room, uh, sculpted wood, basically by taking two by fours. No, these were two by sixes that were tall enough to reach from floor to ceiling, a 10 foot ceiling in this room. And just change the cutoff angle on a table saw for each one. So everyone had a slightly different angle. Uh-huh. And the room was probably 30 feet long by about 15 feet wide with a 10-foot ceiling. Mm-hmm. And that whole one end of that <clears throat> had this wood. It looked like almost like a wood sculpture down on the end of it. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. did this fantastic job of breaking it up, yeah. breaking up sound waves. And the reason you do that is because you don't want the exact wave coming back in a mm-hmm. straight line back at you. You want to break it up so there bounces around the wall. If, if you want a kind of an example of what Dan's talking about on my uh – I think it's my Facebook, my music Facebook page. So that would be facebook.com slash music. There's a picture of me performing. Or if you ever saw the video I did for the Tiny Desk concert uh, two years ago. Okay. I did that at Tim Cofield's house, and he has a he has a wall in his room that's like that. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a really good example, because I'm, I'm tiny in the picture. You can yeah. really see what the wall looks like. Well, it really works. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. So I'm still just admiring the subtle way that you said, so that's... Facebook.com slash <laughs> like, Just roll yeah. right off his Do you, not under, to get do you at understand that, that this, this job is 10% being creative and 90% going, look at me, look at me, look at me? <laughs> Sad but true. So from that, when I met you, I was in the studio on Signal Mountain, which mm-hmm. was cool. It had multiple rooms, and I won't go into you know how it was all done and stuff like that. But now I'm in this little bitty room. I'm in... Uh, what was probably at once upon a time a porch, but it mm-hmm. does have a vaulted ceiling, mm-hmm. and you notice above your head there is a a rig, a light rig rack up there, so I can change lights around and route cables. And this closet where Aaron and I are standing has uh, Owens Corning acoustic insulation with cloth on top of it, mm-hmm. so it's it's pretty dead. And then the other little things that I've done in this room are. I put up corner baffles, basically, mm-hmm. just to knock some of the reflections down in the corners. You put corner baffles up. You don't have them up currently. <clears throat> Over there. Okay. I All do right. have them up in, the two, in two corners, which is where you need to have them. Right. And then I have uh, – see where I've got my lenses and things? Mm-hmm. That's also the Owens Corning stuff behind that. Gotcha. So that it, it muffles things off to the side. So I sort of feel like I'm in a place now where I can record again. Yeah. So I feel like I'm back in this little bitty room. I took a, I took a cue from you because I don't have any money. And uh, my... <laughs> I like that. My that's stri- a good cue to take from me because <laughs> yeah. I don't have any money. GoFundMe.com slash... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but you had in this... in this Was it on the floor or the walls you had those kid tiles? On the walls. Yeah. yeah this is in the Druid Drive studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were the so they were those they were those tiles that you get for kids' rooms that are like an inch of foam right. and they lock together like pretzel pieces or right. square like pretzel pieces on right. it. And so um, uh, Tommy and uh, Nancy Adams had a pile of those in gray that they were getting rid of. So I took all of those and those line the sides of my of the space I record in. Does it help? Could you tell a difference when you put them up? Well, yeah, it must because that, the room I chose to record in is well the room I choose to have the computer in and then the monitors in is the smallest room in the house and it's uh a f- you know one of those four by six rugs you get at IKEA fit in it just 
Okay. So it's just slightly larger than that, four by five foot seven. So. Well, it's like a sound booth at, yeah. you know, at a high-end studio. Yeah. And you just got, don't have all the extra rooms. It's got four doors on it, and if I shut them all, there's terrible reflections because this, this place has old wooden doors, old mm. oak, like they're oak doors. Mm. And then there's a closet, which is really why I moved into the place, that there was a, a walk-in closet in the living room that I set up as a tracking space. And that's the rest of those pads, plus uh, those those they call them memory foam now, but we used to call them egg crates, just the foam with the little right. bunches yeah. that would you know. And so I just line. I got some of that on clearance at Target, super cheap, yeah. and and hang a tapestry from the ceiling on both of them. Oh, that's to interesting. To catch anything that comes down. Yeah. To be. To be mildly critical, not of, I mean, because you're doing what you can in the space. If you can, like back at the studio, mm-hmm. the prior one to this, behind that foam, though, was also two layers of sheetrock floated mm-hmm. on on Owens Corning uh, acoustic channels yeah, yeah, yeah. so that the sheetrock didn't touch the walls. Yeah. And then the walls were doubled walls. I don't know if you remember how thick those were with yeah. the ins- with the insulation mm-hmm. going sideways. So mm-hmm. I put a whole lot of time and thought and yeah. read some books on, on how to do that, which probably still wasn't perfect. But Well, A, my place is a rental. And then... Exactly. And B, the walls are plaster. This building's 107 years old. So right. Yeah. there's I can't do that. <laughs> this, this stuff that I have here, I should have the number handy, but I don't. Mm-hmm. This Owens Corning stuff is amazingly effective and yeah. basically it's that rock wool insulation that you see if you go into a, a usually small manufacturing mm-hmm. like where they're in a big metal building and they've got l- noisy machinery in there they have to do this or the noise s- violations or or either it's bad for the employees right and so this stuff knocks the sound down it's it's very absorbent right and the one disadvantage I'll tell you that I've discovered in this room, and I have to be careful, is you don't want to touch it. Even though I've got black uh, blackout curtains, you mm-hmm. know, spray foamed against it. If you touch it too much, it's so fine that some of the stuff becomes airborne, and I've noticed that it chokes me. So I'm like, when I'm in here, I'm careful not to right, 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 not to poke it or you get dust. And I've noticed that there's quite a bit of dust that I have to clean up on right. my little shelves that I have back in here. But that's what you got to do. And what this was when we bought this house was where the washer and dryer mm-hmm. was for the house. And so, <laughs> I mean, just to say, I think you can do good stuff with almost any space you're in, especially you with the gear we have. You now. just have to be well. Even if you don't have to have it, I mean, that's the thing. It just if I've uh, not too long ago, probably last year, sometime, I was in old hard drives and finding stuff that I had recorded in my apartment in Philly in like 2007 with nothing just um the mini disc used to have a stereo mic you could get oh, it was yeah. like 100 bucks that's i had that and i had like a shore 58 and that was it and i was running pro tools free which doesn't have reverb on it right so if i wanted reverb i had to run it into my guitar amp and then back out oh that's interesting you know yeah. and uh but because i didn't have any stuff i had just had to be super careful and that's where I, the that's where the first Christmas record was recorded, and while I redid a lot of that in two thousand seven at your place, there were lead tracks, main tracks that I kept because I couldn't improve on them from what I was able to do. Again, though, but it was nothing. It was being, it was having nothing, and just having to be careful about everything yeah. and making sure that it that it sounded good. You know what I mean? So. 
one piece one piece of advice that is mildly technical, but I think because I hear a lot of CDs uh, that people record themselves, you know, I don't always know what they have, but I know people are buying these kind. There's a lot of cheap Chinese microphones that mm-hmm. you can get at a Guitar Center, mm-hmm. and honestly, those aren't bad mics if you have a really good place to record. Right, it's not you, it's me. No, we're hearing a buzz. Yeah, yes. that's okay. Uh, so one thing to look for when you're looking at microphones and to compare is the noise floor of the microphone itself. You're looking for really low self noise. <clears throat> because if you get if you're not recording in a place that's really quiet, mm-hmm. you have to turn the mic up so much in order to make it start to sound good to you. And as you turn the mic up, you're getting a noisy recording and a harsher recording. And so mm-hmm. uh, that stuff that seems like, ah, oh, you don't really need that, like good preamps yeah. and good microphones, you kind of really do need that. But I think one of the better recordings I ever got was using U80, Neumann U87s mm-hmm. of course. in a closet. I mean, in a closed master bedroom closed closet. Mm-hmm. The room was completely dead. So it was completely quiet, and they were a quiet microphone. Right. And it just it was just really good. Well, it's an 87. It's a, what, $4,000 microphone? $4,000 microphone, which I don't own. I borrowed yeah. <laughs> in order to do that recording. But, yeah, so it's it's all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that, so I guess I guess why I brought up my own studio is that was sort of the idea with it, too, was just let's just make it as, um, I just need to make it as dead as possible, you know, the studio you, re, you were talking about at the beginning, the 10 by 15 room or 30 by 15 mm-hmm. room, I just remember thinking, as you were talking, I think about how good the room would sound. Just that room would sound yes. amazing, you know? And it so was you, big enough that it had some natural reverb. Yeah. So you actually wanted that. But it yeah. was quiet enough. I also doubled the walls and did all that stuff in that and one so as was well. this Udawa? This was an Udawa, yeah. Yeah, so you're out at the end of the street. There's no one around There's you. There's no traffic, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. Mine's my studio is on the main road to Erlanger, so I get fire yeah. sirens. But you know, an, another thing is with regard to having a quiet space, and either one of you, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that hammer dulcimers have uh, a pretty big advantage over mountain dulcimers, just with the sheer amount of volume that they're able to put out. How hot you have to run the microphone mm-hmm. for the mountain dulcimer and like for butch for your solo mountain dulcimer tracks yeah. how much n- just body noise do you get oh my god and breathing noise. oh my god i wear yeah. but it, it seems like with hammer dulcimer you're able to have the you're you have a stationary instrument it's not up a, it's not dependent on your body for position sure. Yeah. And it's away. From, the mics are pointing away from your face, away from your own breathing, uh, and putting out a, a much, a, a pretty strong attack and a strong volume. I'm seriously and, considering buying a gas mask because the the <laughs> my breathing is an audio commentary on how I think the take is going. <laughs> just like I'll be listening back to something, and just be one part, and you'll just hear. <sighs> that that for sometimes is a huge motivation to add more layers onto the well and mine have tend to have a lot of layers so that's interesting yeah mine i mean i don't have a lot of layers because of that yeah it's it has to do with how i think and what i hear and the and the fact that i do have access to technology and instruments where i can 
just explore, you know. Um, there's a, because I use well, it doesn't matter. You can do this with with any any DAW, but um, because I have access to things like sound fonts, if I, if I you know if I go, I wonder what vibraphone would sound like here. I can I can play a can virtual vibraphone, yeah. And if it works, then I can get someone to play vibraphone or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's. Um, so that's one of the reasons. And then I've always been a fan of kind of bigger productions anyways, you know. So is that kind of the theme for your newest project? Are all of them kind of these uh, these stacked recordings based on loops with a lot of uh, multi-part arrangements? It's actually all over the map. It's okay. it's uh, I call it's one of the reasons why the record is actually called Found Objects because what happened was about a year about a year ago, maybe a year and a m- month or two. Uh, I was looking again, just looking at old recordings that I had done for different things. Sometimes as an experiment, sometimes for Dulcimer Players News, sometimes for other things. And I was one of those just like I haven't heard these songs in a while. Let me. So I just I threw them all into a playlist, and then did take a second to go. Well, how would these? Which flows best? You know, let's not just listen to them randomly. And then I played it. Well, again, while I cleaned the kitchen or something, and I was just like, these all work together they're very all over the map but they all sort of hung together and so that was that was how the that was the impetus of it of it starting and then there were songs like things that i had done with looping that i hadn't recorded and put on that i wanted to do there were tracks that i had recorded previously and then got changed for different reasons uh, that i wanted to do and then you know just a, a handful of tracks like while my guitar gently weeps that i'd been playing for years but didn't, but never got a decent recording of. So, for the uh, for other people who might be wanting to do their own or whatever, or just for interest, what do you do to keep your breathing? I mean, you said that was a real problem. How have you overcome that? Um. Uh. So, a couple of things. So, for on this record, the only solo piece is uh, "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." And so for that one, I actually went to Charles Allison's studio because he could get very directional mics that would just point at sure. you. But, but the um, but the biggest solution, and I got this from you, was don't have the microphones close to the instrument. They need to be actually. So my uh, Crash Band Christmas record, all of those recordings are a, a pair of MXLs, three feet. It's set up in a in a V, so it catches the whole instrument, sure, probably yeah. three feet away from from the instrument. I think I remember on the on the Butch and Christie project that we did, two thousand six six. We also miked down the neck of the guitar for some squeakage, didn't we? Maybe. Seems like I remember. So you just dubbed over. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a sample. Track. I just put yeah. it into a sampler. Yeah, like, that's oh, true. Here's a chord change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting if you listen to you know some of the more modern samplers, they they keep all that stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if it's missing, you can so tell that somebody's just playing it from a keyboard. I knew a guy had a he had a, a keyboard that had a guitar squeak setting. Oh yeah, and and I remember he had it because he, he did a song. He had written a song about some weird phenomena with frogs that happens in the swamps of New Jersey, and he let that be the frog noise that he would play oh, that guitar squeak sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you heard a hammer dulcimer on a recording, 
and it didn't have a bridge thwack every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, this is totally fake. You could sell those like sample packs. Yeah. <laughs> like, Miss notes and bridge thwacks. <laughs> wow. To sample, yeah. Sampling a hammer dulcimer. No, I can't imagine. I, I did a bunch, and I still have... Like a, I've I've got a file that says D six fifteen. The thing is like gig gigabytes, because I played medium. Let's see, light, medium, hard, on every note, with hard hammers, and soft leather hammers, with dampers on, full, medium, light, off, on each note from the bottom to the top, and then, I've still got the files. I've never mapped them. Yeah, because I look at it, it's like there's 175,000 things here <laughs> with all these notes. It would take you longer. It would take. Uh, yeah, I always just. Go, I'm just gonna play. It would this. take you longer to play it right <laughs> than it would to try and do something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's just a complicated thing, and I have respect for people who can do that. But mm-hmm. that's kind of a, you know, there's something special about keyboard players who really get into all of that. They're, it's a very, they're technicians. Yeah of that and yeah, have yeah. to enjoy that part of it. So, so two things recording, regarding recording Mountain Dulcimer up clo- with the breathing issue that I will tell you that I've done. Uh, one, I've just you know tied a handkerchief around my face. Like, <laughs> I, seriously, anything to just diffuse. Um, but the other thing uh, that, you, that you can do, I, someone gave me a dulcimer and someone had made this, but it was basically a big wood clamp with a lyre on it so that you could clamp your sheet music to your dulcimer. And so I made a rig that would allow me to take a, a Zoom H4 with the XY pattern and point that right at the strings. Okay. You know what I mean? To, to, get, to, get, a recording, to get a recording that way. Um, one of the nice things, though, about the Mountain Dulcimer, and you and I experimented with this uh, when I was getting the second stand-up dulcimer, um, was that you don't, when you a guitar, you need a guitar and it needs to be mic'd in a certain place, you know, and a banjo in a certain place, and a hammer dulcimer in a certain place, and you know that's near the sound hole. That's there's a place for it. And I don't think that's true. The dulcimer sound comes out of, from all kinds of different places, and they every, aren't really sound holes. No, and every instrument on it is going to be every every instrument is going to be different. So the place that works for that instrument for your instrument is not necessarily what's going to work for someone else, you know? Yeah, uh, so so much. Uh, th- another thing that you can do, and you probably <clears throat> do some version of this, like Aaron and I are standing in this, where the washer and dryer used to yeah. be, in the little treated area. But there's not room in here for Butch without us all being extremely uncomfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Butch is out in the room just a little bit right now and speaking into a mic that's in an SE enclosure mm-hmm. that was ridiculously expensive. And I know you made one for like $3 or something. I cut a lampshade in half and put foam <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> so. And it probably works, I mean, to some degree. And before I had this, remember, Aaron, you and I made one one day out of a uh, uh, plant. A potting. Uh, yeah. yeah. The plastic part that potted plants come in. Mm-hmm. I just needed one. We needed two. And we only had one. Yeah. So I cut one of those in half and quickly put some foam in it and yeah. <clears throat> found a way to get a microphone to stay inside. And I think we just put a towel in there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, just something. But it worked. We yeah. noticed. I mean, we were mm-hmm. testing. It was before I had treated this room. So, Aaron, you may not want to mention the builder because you guys are still working stuff out. But yesterday we were listening to a dulcimer that 
you're in the process of, you know, figuring well, out some options on it, basically. Right. And so we took turns. Well, I, I guess you were playing mostly, and I was squeezing different places on the instrument around the bridge or maybe quietening it down some. Mm-hmm. And all that kind of stuff can matter, too, when you Absolutely. sit down to record. Sometimes the dulcimer can be too loud yeah, uh, based on recording. Yeah. Or are not loud enough, and there are things you can do based on mic, well, pl- mic this, placement this, and everything. And it's this, important. I'm oh, sorry. Finish your thought. This actually go kind of goes back to an issue that I that I recently had. It's actually it's kind of embarrassing, um, but I've had a loose brace in my primary dulcimer that I've been using for a long time, over a year now. But it kind of comes and goes with the temperature and humidity, and I record just about every month uh, for Patreon and what. What happens when I record? I turn off the AC, um, and I don't try. I set all the mics how I want them, but I uh, and I listen to each mic individually, and then record a little bit, listen to them together, and then with the pickup, make sure everything's working great. But I track at a pretty low volume uh, in my headphones uh, so that I don't have to push the click. Very whoa! Just ignore that. <laughs> Not a cut off the new record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like so. your drum sample. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was it really sounds an awful lot like a drum sample you would have. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's it's springtime and the pagans are at it again, right? <laughs> okay. No, but, uh, um, but uh, no, I don't like to to track with a really high. Um, level in my headphones um, for the dulcimer. I like to hear as much click uh, as I can without hurting my ears. And um, so I don't have a whole lot of dulcimer in there. And what happens as the, the with the AC being off, the temperature in the room goes up and the brace that's oh. been loose gets worse. Uh-huh. And so there have been times when I'm listening back and I, I go, whoa, that, why does that sound distorted? It sounds like it's clipping. I look at the WAV file and it's there's no way it's it's clipping. But the levels were that hot in this particular spot. And I go back to the dulcimer and uh, without headphones, I, I practice and blah, blah, blah. And then I hear, I'd hear this loose brace and it really sounds like it, the acoustic tone coming out of this dulcimer is like, You'd think I was running it through a distortion pedal, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. through an amp. That's funny. It's not funny. It's a pain. But that's being repaired right now. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I I used to, when I was recording um, Shady Grove, that I'd have to put a sign on the door to my apartment that said, Fridge. So that when I came back from wherever I'd gone, I didn't have to throw out all the food oh, yeah. in my refrigerator. Because it would make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. And I'd have to turn so you'd turn it off. and then mm-hmm. and so, oh, Only but. mildly related, but just it's what popped up in my mind. Uh, back when I was in radio, early, in the early 80s, I was working at a station where the on-air rooms were treated correctly, but the... Uh, the production booth wasn't. It was right next to the air conditioning system, or it might, maybe it even had a window unit in it or something. And you'd have to turn that off in order to do any commercial work. Mm-hmm. And it became horribly hot and smelly in there with 
you know, people in there yeah. with two or three mics. And I happened to go in there one night. This was back when people smoked everywhere. And there was it was a small room, and there was a guy who had some work to do. And so he was in that room, and he had two or three children in that room with him, like his kids. He had to babysit, and he had commercials that he had to get out. And he was sitting in that room with the air conditioning off, smoking. Oh. <laughs> and it was it was just horribly it smelled bad and i happened to walk in and everybody in there's just sweating you know the the guy and the kids and the big uh re20 broadcast mics mm-hmm. that you always see in those rooms had these sock like windscreens on them and while i was standing there one of the kids pulled that sock off put his hand inside it and wiped the sweat oh. off of his face <laughs> I'll never forget that because I was I always took those off <laughs> to oh. do to do commercial work. So anyway, oh. such a, you never know what happens behind the scenes with that. Game, you know, because people ask why I keep a, a sock attached to my dulcimer. Is that why? Uh, yeah, just in case it's I sweat. get sweaty. I'm never going to touch that sock. No, it's the sock is actually there for recording uh, because the strap creaks up against the body yeah. of the dulcimer. So I. Yeah. Already had a sock that had a hole worn through the heel, so I put the strap through it, and I just wrap it around the edge of the strap to keep it from rubbing against. So I, I want to get to your and maybe play something because we're going to mess around and just talk to each other because we like each other. We never get to talk that much, it's true. but we've already been talking for forty minutes. But just quickly, some microphone techniques for people to look up and learn more information about the thing that Butch talked about with the two mics together back from the instrument. That's called an X Y pattern. Mm-hmm. Look it up and just learn everything you can about that. There's also the thing where you use more than one mic, like on a hammer dulcimer, and you can separate them from each other because sometimes an XY on a hammer dulcimer doesn't work because you have to put it up so high that it ceases. The mics are actually starting to point off of the surface of the instrument. And so you have to go to some kind of a close miking thing. And that's a really cool way. And that's the way I mic most of the time. But you have to really understand the rule of thirds. Yeah. And so look up rule of thirds. I'd almost say if you could do such a thing, like a hammer dulcimer especially, just put a set of mics on your head. Because you're going to play to what, you're going to make the instrument sound good. Yeah. So what Butch is talking about is called, it's a Jekyllin disc. So look up Jekyllin. And I think it's J-A-E-C-K-L-I-N or something like that. A Jekyllin disc is where you, you put this the separating foam with mics on either side of that and it actually the reason you do that is so that you can hear so that the so that the listener hears basically what the person hears and i don't know if you can buy them anymore but for a while i think it was in the 70s they might have had them still in the 80s you could buy microphones that did work like earphones Mm -hmm. you put them in your ears so you could really get that and that's when there was a lot of focus on uh Oh, what'd they call it? They didn't call it bin. Maybe they did call it binaural at that time. People were trying to do binaural recordings. Yeah, well, uh, Chad Blake still has, uh, who's a producer, who still uses a thing all the time called a binaural head, and it's a mannequin head with, with the microphone stuffed yeah. in the ears. Yeah, yeah. So that's a way to do it too. Um, I think we're moving into a time now with uh, you. You don't use Logic, or, but yeah. Do you do? I use GarageBand the track because I can. It's fast, yeah. And then on this last record, I mixed in Logic because better EQs, better uh, compressors, sure. better reverb. But the most recent version of Logic, uh, just to talk about something really techy, but this is the Dulcimer Geek podcast, so we get to do it. <clears throat> you have 
if you have a stereo, if you have two mics, you have a stereo source, you can pan to the right mm-hmm. or to the left. Well, that can either just pan to the right by cutting out the left, which is what Logic has done for years, but in their most recent update, they finally changed that. So as you pan to the right, it's taking the left and moving it over to the right side so you still get both. So you're oh. eliminating one side or the other. Plus, they also added the ability, and this is cool stuff, to pan in in a 3D field now. And it's a thing that you, if you knew how to do it, you could do it with cancellation. So if you've ever had on headphones, and this is often an effect, like maybe there's some spoken stuff or you're hearing traffic or you're hearing something, and it sounds like something is behind you and then it moves to in front of you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just messing with your head because when you're wearing headphones, something can't move from behind you to in front of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So what makes you think it's doing it is phase cancellation, that thing that you're trying to eliminate in recording all the time. Right. So the newest version of Logic now has that kind of panning. Huh. You can turn it on and you can grab your object and move it forward or up or down. There's, there's a moment like that on the, on the new record because I, I wanted to do, uh, for this one part of this one particular song, I wanted to do that, that kind of that dance music thing where they roll off all the high end and then yeah. slowly bring it back. But at the same time, I wanted it to pan from the right ear to the left ear. And what it ended up sounding like on headphones anyways, it sounds like it goes away to your right, goes forward, then moves across and then Isn't comes back cool? around. Like it's really 3d sound and it's really neat and just total dumb luck that it happened. But. Yeah. It used to, it used to be really complicated to do. I mean, it wasn't complicated to make it happen, but it's like you said, most of the time it's like, oh, that sounds like this happened right. <laughs> after you do it. Now you can sort of, you can plan that. And to me, a lot of the fun in recording is is doing that kind of stuff, even yeah. if it's just a little bit of it. But that's, I'm excited because we're, we've got two or three projects in the works. Yeah. 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 Always. Don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel like it, it always it always amazes me when I start working on a project, even before touching EQ, reverb, or anything like that. When I just start playing around with panning a little bit, if I'm stacking a project and I want to just kind of get an idea of how everything's going to lay to maybe plan mm-hmm. ahead, it just panning can really be the difference maker. Between- yeah, it seems like uh, a lot of mixes, I say that as if I listen to a lot of mixes, but if you listen to what Sir George Martin did with the Beatles, huge hard pans. I mean, vocals yeah. might be all right, yeah, with just a little bit of reverb from the vocals, all left, yeah, you know, and then instruments came and went, and and it all still worked. There's a as you start to do that kind of stuff, if you're mixing your own project, don't just listen in headphones and don't just listen on your cool speakers. Mm-hmm make it be mono at some point yeah oh yeah and (laughs) because sometimes you can make it just disappear well the panning see and i'm not sure i'm not saying that this is what's happening aaron in 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 your case but there are situations i know this happened with me where you you pan them and they sound good because they're no longer out of phase and your mics were out of phase to begin with could be you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so you listen in uh you listen in mono and Mono is like, when I was in art school, we used to have to lay everything out by hand. And if you look at something long enough, uh, you forget, you can't tell anymore if it's crooked, 
you might miss because oh, yeah. you're so used to looking. Or at you it. can start to think it's crooked. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. So what I would do is I would I'd run whatever I was working on through a Xerox machine, which would erase all of the f- gradations of color. It'd just be black or white. Interesting. And it would just like it'd make you look at it for the first time again. And mixing in mono does the same thing. You go to mono, all of a sudden, any bad frequency is right there. Right. You know? Again, I'm a little bit jealous of of hammer dulcimers when it comes to solo recordings and panning because when you're when you're doing a stereo mic and even if you use a pickup, so if you pan both mics pretty hard, uh, wide and run the just the low end of the pickup straight through the middle, that stereo effect is pretty intense. It's if still you, there. Yeah. It, on on dulcimer, it's not quite. It, we don't have quite that drastic uh no. effect yeah. because your sound nature or guitar or any, any it's just one part, really cool thing with part of that's directional right. one of the reasons why i tried that experiment putting h4 right over the right over the neck of the instrument was so that i could have a situation where, where my low string was literally in the left ear and my high string was literally in the right ear mm-hmm. and uh it works much better with guitar because you just have more space right and more <laughs> sonic space yeah we know. can we can imitate that but it's so sure. extreme on hammer dulcimer yeah but it's yeah. one of those limitations that might help you too though because it oh, yeah, it, it, it forces us in some cases yeah for sure but yeah it, it can make it easier to mix a mountain dulcimer into a mix a hammer dulcimer is just <laughs> it's like it just walks I, in and it stretches out across everything you know and it doesn't care i kind of disagree with you a little bit actually imagine that. that i knew we'd get here some, at some point <laughs> i have had i, I don't I, know I, I like the analogy of the hammer dulcimer as that house guest that you know yes <laughs> it's like you might not give him a whiskey ball like you might not want him to stay for <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, I like it. <laughs> I've I've struggled a lot, especially not with this most recent record, but the one before where I sang all the songs. Uh, the mountain dulcimer seems to sit in exactly the same frequency range as the voice, and I just oh. thought that the thought that the two of them were just fighting each other all the time. When I did Shady Grove, which was all instrumental, I mixed the entire record like a vocal record, and I didn't put any dulcimer in. So I would mix all the tracks, and then I would put them. Then I would turn the mountain dulcimer back on to be because it was the lead voice, and I actually treated it that way. Um, and I've I've struggled with that forever. So that's an intro. That's a yeah. I w- I agree with you completely. That's a tough one because of where it is. The hammer dulcimer goes below and not much above. Yeah, but if you rolled off of the even with the voices off of a mountain dulcimer, you'd start to get a weird-sounding thing. Well, but a hammer dulcimer isn't so hot right around 1K, right, right in your, your mids, no. which is where your vocal voice is right. and the instrument's voice. And so that's always been a thing. So I think there's tricks for that, though. And <clears throat> where you really get into the art of mixing is you just it's, it's like painting. You have so... You have, as many options as you can be creative with mm-hmm. to where even you're ducking frequencies only while a voice is happening. You know, you can get into those, right. those chained kinds of gates and things that are gating frequencies, you know, when the voice is coming in and the, and the ear won't notice it if you do all that stuff. Right. Right. It's, it's a, that's, I love it. I mean, I love it. It's just well, fun. You to can do. make my next record then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it, yeah. You don't always achieve what it is you set out 
to do, and that sometimes could even be maybe the hardest way of doing it. Because well, that part doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, part of the recording process is is almost in some ways creative writing as well. You know, uh, I'm never a hundred percent sure where something's going to go when I when I when I begin to record it. You know, the the hardest songs to record are the ones that I've built as loops because the mix gets too thick. There's there's two things. One is psychological, and the other is but the other is all the decisions have already been made. So it's a matter of just making those things work together. You know what I mean? But um, there's nothing rewarding about playing something for two measures and then looping it. Like live, there is because it's a little wonky and there's things happening mm. and you're adding new layers and you're in a moment and it's a period in time and it's never quite the same. But you know when you record something for two measures and then grab the corner and drag it out so it's a loop it's not (laughs) there's you know and there are a couple songs on this record where in order to make that happen what would be live what would be that first loop i laid down i just played i just went in there for three and a half minutes or four minutes however long the song was and just played that over and over again i like that angie is so tired of hearing me like i'll be listening to the radio and it's an older song and i'm sorry if it just sounded like an old fogey but when you hear real drums played from the beginning to the end of a song, yeah, it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's satisfying, and it's not perfect. Well, a great example, and this is this is where we got those, this idea is um, the Talking Heads Remain in Light record. Mm-hmm. Those songs don't change. Those songs are loops. Each every song, like they they sing different words and a different melody, and that's the chorus. But and they bring elements in and out. But it's one idea that changes. Not a bridge. There's not a new set of chord hmm. changes introduced. But they did it all live in the studio. So if a song's four and a half minutes long, they played the same exact thing for four and a half minutes, <laughs> and it, and it doesn't get taxing because the brain. This is this is why why you don't like like a drum loop or whatever. Right. Is that our brains can hear tiny variations in things that we're not aware that we're hearing and if it's the same thing again and again and again and again and again you just get tired of hearing that yeah you know and that be that position on the timeline or volume Mm -hmm. or where you hit the thing with the stick i mean because you're moving around and right yeah i just but i mean i'm sure i'm fooled sometimes and i'm hearing something that's a loop and i think it's live because i think you can probably get good at that too you may do longer loops you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's that's what right. That's what you do. Or but you and you got to keep like I said, you keep elements in there that are that are real. Hey, I want to hear something from. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to suggest you play that. <laughs> Tell me what to play. Well, I'm going to talk about loop stuff. Let's do camp meeting. All right, so take me just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, camp t- camp no. meeting is one of those songs that I built. Uh, I, I built it up as a series of loops things uh, when I used to street perform at the aquarium. Here it comes. I'm going to fade it up.
Yeah, fade it out before it gets to the weird part. <laughs> Is that, are you telling me to or not do that? <laughs> oh, good. It, so, goes, it just goes minor. We, I go we can bring it back thing. up. So. I'm not going to take it all the way out. So let's talk about everything that's happening in there. It mm-hmm. sounds to me like I hear you've got a left... You've shifted the left and the right, maybe from each other, just a little bit on a on a high strum part. Is that possible? Yeah, there's just so by a sample or a few samples. Well, there's no, no, uh, no. It's uh, it's two different tracks, two different loops yeah. playing the same thing, um, but all the reverb for one is in the opposite ear. So that's what's causing that feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so it doesn't feel so lopsided when it's just the one instrument in the beginning. And you've got some low roll offs on the reverb. Um, yeah, well, probably not low roll. I was probably like high end, but I tend to, with when I'm recording Mountain Dulcimer, I tend to dump everything from 160 down. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, even one, I would consider all the way up into two. 300 or so to be relatively low for reverb. Yeah. But it's cool. No, 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 no. The original track. And the original track, okay. Yeah. Before you even hit it with any reverb. Yeah. 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 Think about that, folks, also, as you add reverb. You EQ the reverb is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just went through the weird part, didn't we? Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. It's just me learning how to play fiddle. You've managed to capture a good dulcimer sound, but also a little bit of California driving music in there. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) There's the fiddle. (laughs) I'm a terrible fiddle player. No, but you can record use. something a bunch of times and pick the takes from the measures that you, the note that you like, you know. Right. So, and actually, what really inspired that was I uh, stumbled across this thing, um, the way they play uh, uh, violin in the Middle East is they set it on their lap like a tiny cello and they play it and then they tune it basically like you would tune a fiddle, so like E A E A or G D G D. Okay. And then they play, I think these were all in Arabic, so I didn't really understand everything he was saying. Um, and then they play it like sitting on their on their knee. And I was like, okay, I can't play violin, but I could do that. And that's that's what I did. So I got a violin and spent a couple hours just whatever. So um So so this is this is the Dulcimer Geek podcast, okay? So I'm not treating this fully like I would if I was interviewing you promotionally right. for radio. Which is fine. Which is good. So what I want to know is how do you feel about it now? Uh, you know, I mean, you know that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it, Aaron. You produce something and you work on it and, and you finally release it and then sometimes you don't want to hear it. Yeah, you know, after and some, you've released it. And sometimes it needs time to heal. <laughs> <laughs> you need time to heal. Oh, yeah. Where are you in the process? Um, and good, good, 
That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been it's been mastered, so it's. I mean, it's done. It's done. Uh, <laughs> so. He's he's talking to himself now, folks. <laughs> they I, would, I could see you were trying to convince yourself. What, here's what yeah, I try. I want that fiddle solo. Band. I try. <laughs> for for me, what I try to use as a benchmark is is if I play it like you know you doing the car test or something. Do I want to hear that again? Did did I like? Did I want to? Do I want to hear the track one more time? If I can get there, then I think that I'm on something. That's usually well before it's done because there's a thousand million little paper cuts that still need to happen mm. before it's to the you know, and then then I really uh, I really feel like I'm nearing the completion of the project when I begin to suspect that I have wasted my adult life. <laughs> so, so, so yes. Yeah, so I mean, as musicians, doesn't that happen weekly? <laughs> all just, the time, just the, every now and then, yeah. you're like, "Oh well, I should have gone to school." <laughs> yeah, but I think Butch I mean go to school. But I think <laughs> yeah, that, that's I true. Yeah. But I think that's. I think there's. I mean, the, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. Where it's you know, it's we'll net. No one will care more than us about our thing. It'll always be more personal to us. And so there's always going to be little details that we're going to sweat that nobody cares about and yeah. no one will notice. You know what I mean? But but in some ways, and I don't want to oversell it, you know, in some ways this is also our legacy, you know? Yeah. Who's going to remember us when we're gone? You know, well, that kid that was that guy that did that song, that weird song about his mom. You know, that's... Yeah. So when you're making a thing like this, and when you're, and you know, I'm asking people to give me money for it, it should be as good as I can make it, I think. Yeah. If you have, as musicians tend to, this tendency to be overly honest, though, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, the, when the person asks you, so what do you like about your new CD? It's hard for us to just go, oh, I like, yeah, because it, we like that it's over now. Yeah, and you don't want to say that. I mean, <laughs> right. that's not a good marketing tool right. at all. Uh, maybe it's not, maybe some musicians don't have that problem. But. <laughs> if someone says, what do you, what do you like about uh, the CD? I think it's, it's, it shouldn't be too hard to find something positive to say. I'm always depressed when I finish a project. But you, so you couldn't find any, if I said, hey, what do you like? So it, even if you thought it didn't turn it, or, Turn out no. well, or could have turned out better if I said, uh, "No, what you know what? Like about the, it, actually, be able to say actually, can I honestly? Actually, can I inter- Can I? Oh yeah, propose what might be the actual answer to that we, question. I, I need it. You said, uh, um, you said that you th- even if you thought you could do better, right? Uh-huh. I don't think we do think we can do better. I think we oh. think we've done as good as we possibly can, and we're disappointed with the result. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're joking though, I, because I, yeah, yeah, I no, no, I, I mean, disagree. I not. think because because we tend, I think all of us tend to play better when the red light isn't on. Of course, oh my goodness, that's true. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we're disap. I mean, maybe it, with uh, in accepting that, then yeah, under these conditions, we couldn't do better, but we think that we could represent ourselves better as a musician. I think. Well, I, I think I think that's two different statements. Actually, we can represent. You know, um, could we have done better? Yes. Did we represent ourselves as best we could? 
Also, yes. Maybe, maybe, yeah. This is the we're getting into uh, determinism. <laughs> In that, you probably did up to this point the best you could do up to that point. The question is: Is there a point later in time where you could do better? And if you continued to push it, well, I'm okay could you with get to that, that? for for the most part. There is kind of the I I know in the studio I've seen a, a range of mentalities uh, on that, and that there are some musicians that say that are happy because this is the best they could do in the studio at this time. And this is an accurate documentation of their it's, skill. It's honestly one of the reasons why I still call them records. Because this is where I am right now. It's a right. recording of what you're doing. Yeah. 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 This is best I could do at this time in the available yeah. light. However, then there's there's another mentality <laughs> that is... Uh, well, like, like you said, Dan, I mean, there's infinite number of options especially with things being digital when do you know when to stop when do you know you've had your best take especially when you're not using analog you you're not now we're not going to go well we ran out of tape <laughs> um, yeah re-rack it and let's go back through well actually a, a garage band will shut you down at two gigs when you get to two <laughs> oh, gigs in file size yeah. it goes now oh, you got no more room for this project. so sure. yeah <clears throat> there's a point at which you've got 10 good takes Mm-hmm. That are, and by good enough, I don't mean that's absolutely the best you could have played that thing that you played at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're good enough for what you're doing. They're mixing it, and that almost sounds like you're settling. But at some point, you do have to settle. Or you'll never release mm-hmm. a project. There's also, for me anyway, I've noticed that there's been kind of a change that's that's happened recently. Um, that's it kind of reminds me of uh running like like dan i know you've done like a marathons and i've been chased by things been chased by things <laughs> but you know it's running by yourself is a lot different than running in a group where it, suddenly like it, when you're in a sea of people all running in the same direction suddenly there's it could come from this intense sense of fear whatever you're running from <laughs> but you're in a Godzilla, group of people Godzilla. all running in the same direction and it feels like there's momentum there and now if you, I've noticed this change uh, in concerts where before I always used to walk off stage, except on a very, very rare occasion going, uh, I would, I know I can play that better sitting in, uh, sitting in my room. Mm-hmm. But now uh, on stage, it feels like there is a certain energy. It's kind of like running the marathon with the audience anyway, and that I feel like there's this extra momentum. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah. when I do the concert window stuff, that's why a lot of times I try to do it as I, I make a little house concert that goes with sure. it. So there are people in the room that I'm responding to because right. it is a performance as as opposed to an execution. So of, now, bring, bringing that back to the studio, I feel kind of like the solo runner again, right. and I miss running in a sea of people. See, I think does that make sense? Totally get it. But, yeah. And there isn't. I don't like nebulous words like energy from the audience and things like that. Okay. Uh, the, but. I, I'm just saying that when you have an audience with a great looking aura. Uh, <laughs> and the, you, the you can align things. the chakras. <laughs> yeah. You just reach a moment of transcendence. All right. So you've got. <laughs> Thank you much. You've pegged me. <laughs> now, but absolutely, you are producing a show. I mean, right. you're producing something right then. You're producing something that. 
you can tell if it's working or not. Yeah. And right. it's a little harder to do that when you're in the studio. When you're in the studio. The yeah. solo but there line. is an element of performance. And that's like that thing I was saying earlier about how I don't, how, it's, how hard it is to record with something that's a bunch of loops, right? Yes. You have, that's a problem because, because you don't have the performance. Even if I play the same thing for four and a half minutes and it never changes, it's still a performance right. and there's still that energy that comes with it, you know. Well, let's stop with our auras aglow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool recording, Butch. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I am actually happy with it, just to be just to be clear. <laughs> Gotta be. It's cool. Yeah. So. Way I am way happier with yours than I am mine right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's not done. So, it's well, there's even started. Well, there's that too. Yeah. So, but I'll, well, but I mean, that's one of the things. I don't, not to go off on another on another tangent, but uh, well, the hardest record to mix, uh, the hardest song to mix on here is one called Chiaroscuro, because it was part of a project I did with Charles Allison, and I just showed up, played, and left, and he added all the other instruments, and then I just wanted the dulcimer to be a little bit louder. So I'm like, well, just send me the send me the tracks, right? He sent me all the tracks. He sent me 25, 30 tracks. I had no EQ settings. I had no reverb compression right. settings. I had no idea what he was intending to do with each take as far as how it sit in the whole piece. It took me, I'm not kidding, probably the better part of a month on and off. Yeah, it's complicated to try to deconstruct someone else's engineering on that stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. give us uh, slowly and clearly mm -hmm. <clears throat> how can people buy it? Where can they sample it? Uh, okay, so... Um, uh, right now, you can go and listen to it. Well, this posts tonight, correct? Yes. Okay, so tomorrow. The 19th. Uh, the 19th. Of April, 2017. com slash found objects. And then that'll take you to a page where you can hear some of it. Um, there's also some... And, uh, and pre-order it and download. Official release is May 13th, and that's going to be here in town. Um, I haven't worked out all the details on this, but it will probably also be a concert window concert. So if anybody's on my concert window or does that, that would be another way to hear and see the record. Um, one of the great things about a CD release party is that's the only time you ever get to make a record like this. It's the only time it ever gets performed live you know what i mean oh yeah yeah so exactly be, so i have i have a band i have a string section for some songs i'll be doing some stuff nice. with loops i'll be doing stuff with video or just showing video sometimes because it's some of these songs on the i can't reproduce live yeah you know what i mean so but butchross.com found objects is the best way to get in front of all of that and and find out where everything's going on all right excellent thanks thanks butch thank you thanks aaron Oh, you're welcome. Goodbye, all. <laughs>